Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. What is worth investing our life into? Today's guest, Stephanie Chappell, grew up in a loving yet unchurched family, and she had plans for a successful career in law. As a university student, she encountered the grace and truth of Christ for the first time in her life. Stephanie was a few months away from entering law school when the Lord redirected her path to campus ministry. Now she invests her life into university students through Chi Alpha Ministries. She holds a master's in organizational leadership, and she served in multiple roles and settings throughout her life. We talk about how the kingdom of God advances through relationships and how we can best mentor and become the leader God calls us to be. Welcome, Stephanie. I'm so excited to finally have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Well, thank you so much. It is a joy to be with you today. We've talked about how long we've known each other. It's been uh, it's been longer than we want to admit on air. Let's just say it that way. It's really true. I think we've we've known and respected of each other for a long time, but this is this has been really fun to connect. I agree, Stephanie. And and I didn't share everything I could have there in that introduction. So tell us a little bit about maybe Chi Alpha is completely new for someone who's listening. How did you get started with Chi Alpha, and what are some of the ways that you have served university students throughout your life? Oh, well, I'd be happy to tell you because I am the grateful fruit of this ministry. Chi Alpha is the name of our university student ministry. And I, I, as I said, I'm I'm the fruit of the ministry. I grew up, as you mentioned, in a really a wonderful family, but uh, religion was something for us that was, was kind of a a distant thing where there was a, I would say we had a respect for tradition and uh, with my mom's Greek side of the family, a little, a little bit of respect for superstition, but never walked with Jesus And as I was getting ready to go away to college, uh, what I didn't know was that there was a ministry on the campus that I, where I did my undergrad. And in fact, before I ever set foot on my first day as a freshman, uh, somebody from this particular ministry, somebody from Chi Alpha was praying for me. And uh, the RA from my little hall had gone through and prayed over every one of us before we ever got to campus. And I, I just... I am amazed to think just what God would do to to stir someone's heart to pray and to reach out to somebody who wasn't even looking at all for God. I, I tell people when I went away to college, God was the last thing on my mind, but I'm so grateful I was not the last thing on his. Mm. And uh, this this particular student and other students in Chi Alpha, uh, they just kept loving me. They just kept showing me Jesus. They prayed and prayed. I'm a little hard headed. Uh, so even though they first started to introduce the things of God to me in my freshman year, it wasn't until my senior year uh, that I finally um, I finally surrendered. Uh, the Lord used them and the Lord used several others to to woo me and win me. And uh, I tell people the only regret I have in giving my life to Jesus is that it took me so long. (laughs) I Um, would have, would have loved, would have loved to have known, known him for much more, but uh, I am just, I'm the grateful fruit. And, and really as a, as part of God's call on my life and as part of my way of saying thank you back to the Lord, I said yes to going back onto the university campus as a campus missionary. And so for the last uh, 
30 years now, actually last month, I celebrated 30 years working with this ministry in a variety of capacities, having the great privilege of seeing students come to faith, to walking with them, helping them as they're, you know, trying to figure this thing out. And what does it mean to walk with Jesus? What does it mean to be filled with his spirit and to, to know what it uh, really for them to know what it's like to live in purpose in the kingdom. So that's been, it's been my joy. And do you think Stephanie, with your background and the way that you came to the Lord as a university student, do you think that really became the catalyst of what direction you wanted to invest your life? Or did you feel a very clear, you know, call from the Lord toward campus ministry? If I could say yes to both, I I felt a very clear call to campus ministry. But I think part of that was against the backdrop of, I knew what it was like to walk on campus with no hope. Hmm. And once Jesus won me, I just remember thinking, I just want my friends to know about this. I, I, I just didn't, I didn't have words. I had no training in evangelism. I just knew that what God had done in my life, I wanted him to do in the lives of my friends. And so that was part of how God called me into this ministry. I, I just wanted, I just wanted more Stephanie's <laughs> to know him. Uh, Cause again, I, I just remembered what it was like to walk on campus without him. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing that you went on to serve on a number of university campuses. You were the chaplain at Georgetown University. Um, So you've really served for so many years. I I know this wasn't something we discussed even talking about, but I'm curious to know what what shifts and trends you have seen throughout the years, Stephanie, because this is a long 30 years of ministry that you've invested. What have you seen shifting on the college campus as as you've been there as a missionary? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of shifts. Some of that has been over time. Some of it as well has been regionally. I started on the West Coast. I started on a campus where back in, I would say the 90s, it seemed like people were one of two things. People were either really serving Jesus or they were just straight up drunk, at least on Mm -hmm. that campus at that time. There wasn't a lot of in between. And then I moved to the Midwest and started engaging with people who were a little bit more from like the Bible Belt culture. And I remember a student coming to me at the end of one of our our services and she said, hey, could you pray for me? Um, I'm kind of living with my boyfriend. I said, okay, are you kind of sleeping with him too? And she said, mm. kind of, you know, and I, yeah. and I, and, and, and we, we talked about, she had come from the church. She had come from, or was raised in the church. And she of course was wrestling through this. And I said to her, I said, have you ever talked to Jesus? Cause she said, I, you know, the temptation is strong and it's hard to say no. I said, have you ever talked to the Lord about the temptation and said, God, I, I'm having a really hard time in this temptation. I need your help. And she said, I've never thought of that. Hmm. I've never heard that. I said, you've been in the church your whole life and no one ever said you could take your temptation to the Lord and ask for help. She had never heard that. And so, so that was just so different from what I had come from. And then I moved to the East coast and was, and was based in Washington, DC. And I'm engaging with all these students who uh, they went there so they could rule the world and and they all wanted to be president. And even though they were all contemporaries, didn't realize that wouldn't all happen at the same time. And (laughs) we like to joke about, okay, they're all, they all want to be president of everything. And, um, and then, and, and then, as you said, 
time shifted, um, season shifted, things on campus really begin to shift. I, I did spend, as you mentioned, I spent five years living as uh, serving as a chaplain in residence at Georgetown University. Loved it. I think mm. I was 43 when I moved in. I'm 43 years old at the time. Move in a freshman dorm. Like I could be their mama wow. for real. Literally, I was older than some of their parents and I'm living with freshmen and I'm, I'm hearing them, and I, I see more of this now, um, where students are facing more and more of the anxiety, um, some of the, the struggle for image, things like that. I would have students sitting on my couch in my little apartment, weeping, saying, you don't understand. I'm the only one on this campus who doesn't have it all together. And I would say, oh, honey, I can't tell you who was here yesterday because of confidentiality, mm. but somebody sat in the same seat where you are. And with similar tears saying the same words, you are not alone. Mm. And that the need that they had to present that they were all together was so extreme that it was breaking them down on the inside. And I, I think too, some of the things we see more widely include, and we know this, this isn't a surprise, um, an inability to rest in the fact that there is truth that is not personal truth. There's truth mm. beyond our personal truth. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that I, so many people have, um, have commented on this so much more um, adequately than I could, but the, the reality is that what is true for a student, they're, they're, they're actually surprisingly graceful toward each other in the sense of, well, that's just your truth. So there, there won't be any judgment there because, well, that's your truth. And this is my truth. There are some other areas where they bump up into each other and calling each other out and canceling things and stuff. But um, I do think there's a lot of um, for students that sense of this is what I believe. And I'm OK for you to believe what you believe, because there's no there's no larger North Star for us to look at. Sure. There's no absolute and that, truth. And that wasn't the case when I started. That's interesting. So you've seen that slide toward no, yes. no absolute truth as the, the speaking yes. my truth versus the truth. And when one contradicts the other, sure. there is an objective standard, but, but I can understand that having had two, you know, we're the same age, Stephanie, I have two grown children now. And, and I've even seen that progression mm-hmm. as my kids were growing up, you know, just this mm-hmm. idea of, well, you know, everyone just believe what you want to believe. And, mm-hmm. and that is a very dangerous sense of um, lack of compass, you mm-hmm. know, to speak mm-hmm. to the North star, just because that's, you know, it's only the truth that sets us free. So if we're living yes. by our truth, we're going to be mm-hmm. sadly in bondage to that. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I love a couple of things that you said. I want to talk about just the the gift of presence. Alicia Bertcholi, who we both love, calls it the present of presence. And you just yeah. talked about sitting with these students and these memorable mm-hmm. moments you've had as, as you've been investing in their lives. But you're you you're kind of a mom, even to some of these mm-hmm. students. And yet you've never had children of your own. You're a single right. woman in ministry. And let's talk about that for just a moment, Stephanie. How sure. would you encourage other single men or women that are listening? to see, Hey, look, look at what Stephanie has done the way that she has, um, not been limited by any factor, um, in life or not allowed factors to limit the call of God in your life. Maybe I should say it that way. How would you encourage men and women that are single to pursue God's call on their lives? Mm, Such a great question. I mean, in some ways I would say I would encourage them the same way I would encourage anybody in, in some capacity and just say, give yourself wholeheartedly to what the Lord has. Mm. I I just don't think, 
I just don't think if we give ourselves entirely to him that there's regret. I have a dear friend, a colleague who recently passed away. He worked with our ministry organization for, I think, close to 40 years. And his wife at the uh, celebration service just the other day commented, and she even called us to a whole new level of give ourselves completely to what the Lord has, what the Father has for us. And I would say that for anybody. I would say, though, too, for somebody who's single, I would encourage that person um, by saying there's nothing in your current state that should keep you from full pursuit. And I think sometimes that can be it'd be tempting to say, well, there's this or what about that or what about that? There's nothing in your current state that should keep you from giving yourself wholeheartedly to what the Lord has called you to, which is, first of all, primarily him. <laughs> and then perhaps the, the ministry that he's called you to. I would say this, though, on a real practical level. Um, and, and here's where sometimes the mystery of the kingdom or the tension of the kingdom is, is give yourself wholeheartedly, but also learn to walk wisely because there are just some things as a single person I need to think about that I probably wouldn't have to, if I was married in the mm. same way, married people have to think about some things that I don't Sure. But on a really practical level. When I, part of what I do is in, in my role in our ministry is I do travel quite a bit. And I know that if I'm gone too much, my life just, just, basic stuff of my life just tends to fall apart. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I forgot to pay that. And Oh, okay. You know, I, I didn't get that done. And, and so I need to walk wisely with regard to how much I can do and still have a, a life that is peaceful rather than stressful. If, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, part of that I... is because there's nobody else taking care of those things at home. I, I live alone. It's just a choice I have at this place in my life. I haven't always lived alone, but no one's making sure there's groceries. No one's making sure the car is done. And so I need to walk wisely to make sure that those don't become added stress factors mm. because I am uh, maybe so single focused in what I'm doing with ministry that I forget that I'm a whole person. We'll get right back to this week's episode. I want to help you make life matter with some free resources at AngelaDenadio.com. You'll also find my books, albums, and ways to connect. While you're there, join my online community and be the first to hear exciting updates. If you long to walk where Jesus walked and are ready for the Bible to come alive in ways you have never experienced before, journey with me and Carol McLeod to Israel in 2022. Get all the details at AngelaDenadio.com. Like you said, whether we're married or single, just to wholeheartedly pursue what God mm -hmm. calls us to framed by wisdom. I think that's, yeah. that's so yeah. well, so well said for us. And I've had the privilege of hearing you kind of talk about that on a couple of occasions, Stephanie, and not too far, you know, long ago, I got to hear you speak at a couple of conferences, both the women's conference I attended and then our network conference for, mm -hmm. for pastors, men and women. And you, you gave such a powerful uh, message on withness, W I T H N E S S. It might be a word you're making up, but I love it. And if, if it is, I'm, we're going to go with it. And I'm, it needs I'm to be, sure somebody made it up. I don't I, know, I but it's it, a yeah. great word. It's a great word. It's just this presence, this power of presence. And mm -hmm. you talked about how the kingdom of God advances through relationship. And you shared this there. I don't want to invest my life into things Jesus didn't die for. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that down in my notes. I thought that was so compelling. And what you're really saying by that to us, Stephanie, is listen, Jesus died for people mm -hmm. and right. people relationships are what matters 
most. And you also talked there about what it means to bring a chair and leave a chair in the context of relationships and, and witness witness. So speak to that for a minute. What do you mean by that? And how can we both bring a chair and leave a chair? Sure. Yeah. Well, let me start for a moment with witness. Just this, this has really been, this has become just such a core conviction for me. And part of that, I, I know I, our ministry, um, this is a this is a big rock for us. In fact, that statement you quoted earlier about the kingdom of God is established through in relationship. That's something we say here all the time. And if I think about it, if we all think about it, that that's really the case, really, probably for all of us, or almost all of us, the kingdom of heaven, God's, God's realm, God's reign has increased as we've been in relationship with him and with one another. And even as we look at the life of Jesus, you know, if you go, um, the a, a passage we use a lot here in our student leadership, uh, discipleship and leadership training is out of Mark chapter three. I think it's verse 14. When Jesus goes to away and then he calls the apostles to him, he, he calls he, the chosen ones that he called to be apostles. It says he called them to be with him and then to go out and preach and, and cast out demons. But I think sometimes it's easy to jump over the with mm. into the sending or or the the work of the ministry without the with. And that's really, that's got to be key, partially because it is who Jesus is. If we go back to the beginning of Jesus's story, he was introduced as Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, even if you look at the story in, in Matthew or go back to Isaiah where Emmanuel is introduced, God with us. And then the last thing Jesus said in the book of Matthew when he's, when he's commissioning the disciples and he says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So the beginning of his life and the ending of his life bookends with with, and then as he calls the apostles to him, once again, he calls them to be with him. So I, I don't want to miss that. Even as I am helping prepare young leaders to step into new things, I don't want to just call them up to send them out. I want to call them to be with. And so sometimes what that means is as I'm looking for ways to help prepare um, a new platform for a young leader or a way that a young leader can come and learn. Part of that is to come and be with me when I'm doing what I'm doing, which means I need to pull a chair up. Um, sometimes if I'm at a table that I've been invited into, I need to think about who can I bring with me? How can I bring a chair and add to this and allow someone to be exposed to this kind of leadership table in the context of with? And so there are some times that I need to bring a chair every once in a while, too. I need to consider, wow, the table is really full. Maybe I need to leave my chair. Maybe mm -hmm. I need, maybe it's time for me to say, I have this chair. I've been invited, been invited to this table, but boy, there isn't much room for another chair. So this is the time for me to leave my chair and allow someone else to take it. That is just such great leadership principles right there, Stephanie, because if more of us would lead that way, mm -hmm. but I think sadly we lead at times with a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. that we think yeah. somehow if we make room for someone else, it's less room for us or um, I can't give up the chair that I've had. And, and that really is just revealing a lack of trust that we have in God yes. to completely yeah. 
lead us and guide us and the value that we place on seeing others become who God has called us to be and and who God has called them to be. That is just such a, a primary way that I have seen you make your life matter for the kingdom is investing into the development of others, whether that's bringing a chair, being with them, or as you said, leaving a chair that, that, that I know spoke volumes to some of us. So as you've been, you know, investing your life into the development of emerging leaders. I've also heard you share about a three-legged stool and that approach to leadership. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Sure. I'd be happy to. I I think about a stool with three legs. um, As long as there's not one leg that is super short compared to the others, the the stool is going to be pretty, pretty level and it's not going to wobble because there's just something kind of substantive there as it's leaning. And so I think about, um, I think, pardon me, I think about that in the context, pardon me, a leadership. I, I think about there are three questions and then it leads to kind of three calls. And so when I think about the the people that I want to invest into, and and even as you said a moment ago, I want to invest my life into the things that Jesus died for. I remember the Lord really challenging me one time when I was preparing a message. I was getting kind of wrapped around the axle about it, getting all uptight about it. And the Lord reminded me, he's like, I I didn't die for your sermon. (laughs) I just, he said, I I died for the people who were going to listen to your sermon. And by that, I don't mean for us not to take seriously our preparation to, to, to speak or teach, preach or teach the, the word of God. I don't mean that at all, but I, I needed the center of gravity to shift in that moment because I was, I was putting a little bit too much in my sermon versus the people that Jesus died for uh, that. And that was the point is honoring him and, and loving the people well. And so in that, I want to make sure I stay true to what, what was worth Jesus's life in that way. And so even as I think about that in the context of investing into the next generation. I have the great privilege. We have, we have about in our movement, we have about 1500 uh, staff around the nation. And I just have the great privilege of investing into a whole bunch of them, as well as the students I get to connect with. And there are some questions I ask um, of them, uh, of the, the people I'm investing into. There's some questions I ask that really help me to know how to lead well. And they come down to these three. How can I serve you? How can I love you well? And how can I help you move into what God has for you in the next season? And and part of that is, as I've learned along the way from really wise leaders in my life, they didn't hold me with a closed hand. They held me with an open hand. And by that, I mean, they said, you belong to Jesus. Where Jesus has you, where Jesus puts you is to his pleasure. And that means if, as one pastor said to me, if you feel a sense that you're going to be transitioning, you feel like God may be calling you to something else. He said, I never want you to feel like you have to do that in secret. He said, I want you to come to me. I want to walk with you. I want to pray with you. I want this to be part of the discipleship process. And if God is sending you, I want to send you with blessing so that you can go into what God has for you. And that was such, such a beautiful leadership model, leadership example to, to come up under. Cause I know some people don't have that. They feel like if I tell my leader that God may be stirring me another way, I'm going to lose my job. And that just grieves me to no end mm, because yeah. my, my role as a leader is to look at somebody and say, how can I serve you? Because it's, 
I'm less interested in their making my dreams come true <laughs> than my making theirs in terms of kingdom dreams. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Um, helping them consider what is it that God has for you? How can I serve you in that way? If I can't serve you, I shouldn't be leading you. How can I love you well? Uh, some of that is just, that goes back to the witness. I'll know yeah. better how to love them well if I've been with them. True. And then sometimes loving them well means challenging um, that sometimes means confronting, that sometimes means giving feedback. I'm not loving somebody well if I let them continue in a way that is hurtful. And that's that's not comfortable a lot of times. Um, boy, having, as one author calls them, having those crucial conversations, it's not, doesn't come naturally to me, but I've learned that if I if I'm just going to let someone continue in something that isn't healthy or holy, uh, then I'm not loving them very well. And then how, how can I help them move into what God has for them in the next season? And that could be, as the example I gave, um, transitioning to another role, uh, even outside our ministry. I tell our folks all the time, uh, I want you where Jesus wants you. And I, well, I'd love if you'd stay here for the rest of your life, but mm-hmm. if Jesus has something else for you. That's where I want you to be. How can I help you move into that if that's what he has Or how can I help you move into what God has for you within our ministry organization, within our movement that best sets you up to obey God's call and helps us fulfill the mission? So those are the three questions. How can I serve you? How can I love you well? How can I help you move into what God has for you? In that, I do love to encourage to say, encourage people to say, let's pray, let's learn, and let's dream. If we do Mm. that together. If we can pray together, learn together, dream together, boy, I feel like I'm going to have that much more to be able to give to you. You're going to be that much more open as we do this thing together. And and I would say this learning is intentional because I, I do think that I've seen a lot of times over the last 30 years, people feel a sense of calling and then they just want to jump right into it. And uh, there's almost a sometimes people almost pull the God card. Well, I'm called to this. And I sure. think you may very you may very well be. But that means you also need to be trained toward it. You need to, you've you've got some learning to do to get there so that you can fulfill the call. And part of my job is to help you do that. Mm, So that's, that's the three-legged stool, both those questions. And then those calls or declarations about let's pray, let's learn, let's dream. I love it. Everyone needs a three-legged stool, right? That is such a great, it's just such a great leadership model. And it's so others minded, which I think is Jesus model. It's Paul's model. I mean, there's so many examples we could say, but, and I know you yourself, Stephanie have, have served under some extraordinary leaders and you've stepped into some roles and transitioned into the roles that these leaders have, have held. So what advice would you offer us to know how to transition well, or to know how to follow such a, such an exceptional leader? What has helped you to be able to do that? Well, Stephanie, Yeah, there's something that the Lord whispered to me after I followed the first extraordinary leader. Many years ago, I was serving as an associate staff to a local director for our campus ministry, and he was outstanding, just an amazing man of God, minister of God. And I, I remember, though, when he transitioned out of his role, and I was invited to step into that particular position, and boy, he had big shoes to fill Every, he was so beloved. And I, a little bit in my insecurity at the time, I just was like, wow, how can I do this? I, you know, I'm no Sean. His name is Sean. I'm no Sean. And just real gently, yet with, you know, that oomph of the Lord, the Lord whispered to me and said, 
you, you really need to do this like I've made you to do it. If I wanted, if I wanted Sean to lead this ministry still, I would have kept him here. <laughs> it just, but I'm taking him somewhere else. And I want you to lead this ministry the way I've made you to lead this ministry. And that set me in a really good place early on because I, there were a couple other times I led, I, I followed extraordinary leaders. In fact, I'm in one of those seasons now, one of my dearest mentors that I followed when I lived in Washington, D.C. Um, he is about to retire and I'm about to follow him again in a position. Uh, I have the unique privilege of following him twice into a role. Uh, he has, he has left, he's left an amazing mark on our ministry. He's getting ready to retire. And I have the privilege of following him in, in his current position. And I, I feel like I'm at peace because I know that the Lord has said, I want you to step into this role the way I've made you to do it. You don't have to be somebody else to be able to fulfill the call. And so that's, that's been, that's been a significant thing for me. And and it's, I tell you what, it makes me think about who's going to follow me. And, And I'll just say this. I hope that the people who follow me go far beyond me. I don't want to live with insecurity to say, oh, what if they do better than I do? I hope they do better than I do. I hope I cut a path for them to make it a little easier on them. I I don't want to make it too easy because there's something about the struggle that makes us depend on God. If we we have, if it's all easy, there's no need for faith or, or risk or trust, but I hope that I can cut a path to make it a little bit easier in some ways so that they can take the ministry to the next place. When I served as the Chi Alpha director in the Potomac network, I am so thrilled. I, I, I gave it everything I could. I feel like the Lord did beautiful things. And then the man who followed me is taking it farther than I did, or maybe even could. And I'm overjoyed. I hope he outshines me by a million because then part of my job was just to set things up so he could shine. I love that. I don't know who first said it, but someone said, I want my ceiling to be the next generation floor. Absolutely. And and that's really what you're saying is, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go wholeheartedly after God. I'm going to model that with the the way that I'm with others, Mm -hmm. the same way Jesus modeled that withness, that relationship. He could have built the kingdom other ways, right, Stephanie, but he chose to do it through relationship and through the apostles of first century church. So we have that same model. Nothing has really changed. It's still the way God wants us to invest our lives today. And it is just so... Um, I, I have the privilege of knowing you. So I know how you've lived your life and you are the real deal. And for those that are listening and you're just kind of jotting down notes about, oh my goodness, like Stephanie has so much to offer. I, I've never heard you speak, Stephanie, that I haven't walked away both challenged um, and inspired to to do more with my life and and to just um, to put a new frame around something, maybe something as I see as a, a challenge or an obstacle uh, even just without talking with you one-on-one, just what you've shared in leadership sessions have always impacted me so deeply. So thank you so much for the way that you have, goodness, you won't know till heaven, how many lives you, you really impacted Stephanie. And, and uh, that really brings me to my last question. I could talk to you all day and, and guys, she's going to pray over thank us. You. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. And, and she is going to pray over us in just a moment. So you're not going to want to miss that, especially if you're just praying over what your next steps might look like. 
or maybe you're listening and you're just, um, you're just wanting to step into God's call or you're, you're, you're realizing maybe you've been a little bit closed handed with the way God has, has entrusted things to you. And it's okay to open up your hands and say, okay, God, I'm going to release this to you. Help me to not be afraid to invest my life into others and to trust that he's got you. You can trust Mm -hmm. that he's got you guys and whatever you're walking through. But Steffi, this is one of the ways I like to close the podcast is to ask all of my guests other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has most inspired you to make your life matter? It might be someone you can't wait to meet in heaven or a question you can't wait to ask. So I would love to know your answer. I have always been so fascinated and interested in the life of Deborah. Mm. in in the book of judges and and of course that may be because she was a leader of uh god's people as a woman and so i'm sure that that's a big part of it but i just find her even though there's just such a little bit in scripture about her life um i've always been so interested in wanting to live in such a way that i could fulfill the call of god regardless of the context and fulfill the call of God with wisdom, with, with a a prophetic ear to be able to hear what is God saying to us now? What is God calling us to do? And, and then to do as, as it says in the book of John, to be like Jesus, to only do what I see my father doing. I kind of have that sense too with with Deborah somewhere in there. She had to know that she was on the right track from, from God and then to lead with such wisdom and godly authority. It's just fascinating because there's so little about her in scripture. I, I just hope she can save a millennium for me in heaven and, and, uh, Amen. And, and then tell me some of the stories that would be, that would be so much fun for me. Yeah. She's an extraordinary leader. I'm not surprised that you chose her and the, there's not a lot written, but what is written is pretty telling about her life. So thank yeah. you, Stephanie. I see you as a modern day Deborah. So I'm not surprised in the slightest that you chose her. Um, I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you. How can they find you? I know you're on Facebook and Instagram and, and a website. So how would you like them to connect with you guys? You, you've got to bring her to speak, not only to your university students, to your churches. She's just such a powerful voice in our generation. So Stephanie, how would you like our listeners to connect with you? Oh, you're so kind. Thank you for that. I am on the main platforms. Uh, Facebook is my full name. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is Stepha Chap. First part of my name, first name and, and my last first part of my last name. You can probably see if you look at the show notes. Um, any of those are easy. Our 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 ministry um, website is chialpha.com. Chialpha is just a, a kind of a fancy Greek way of saying Christ's ambassadors, Chialpha. C-H-I-A-L-P-H-A.com. I'm on there as well. So any of those would be, would be great. And it's just, Angela, it's just been a joy. I've had a blast being with you today. So much fun to talk about what the Lord does and, and how he works in us and how he works through us. It's it's amazing. I, every once in a while, I'm like, wow, Lord, I feel so spoiled. Wow. How did you pick me for this? You know? Well, I think availability is a big piece of that. And you, you decided early on, uh, you said before we even started chatting today that your, you know, your salvation experience started with a selfie. You didn't come from a long line of, of, of church family, you know, but you, you chose, you chose God. He found you and, and you said yes. And so I think just one yes has led to the next yes and the next yes. And, and your posture of availability is, is, is an encouragement to us to just stay available and stay open to what God wants to do. So I'm going to have you pray over us in just a moment, but I like to close with a truth that matters. And today the Lord led me to a passage from first Timothy chapter four, verses 11 through 15, such a great 
passage of scripture in Paul's words to Timothy, which was his son in the faith about how we not only walk in our calling, but we invest into the lives of those leaders that are emerging around us. And Paul said this command and teach these things, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And we can put because of any reason there, Mm -hmm. but set an example for the believer in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and impurity. And until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And then be diligent in these matters. Give yourself holy, which is exactly what Stephanie said today to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for your voice to so many and your voice in our generation. Thank you for the way that you are making your life matter. And I would just love to invite you to pray of our listeners as we close today. I would love to. And thank you, Angela, for what you're doing here to get voices out, to to be able to call us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to live wholeheartedly. I mean, you've set the platform for people to be able to do this. And it's just an extraordinary gift to to God's people. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Let's pray. King Jesus, gracious God, Emmanuel. God, I pray for every listener here today that we would be reminded that you are God with us. I pray that when we wake up in the morning, we would sense your calling to us. We would be reminded that you are with us in the moment we wake up. We would be reminded that as we drift away to sleep, that you are with us. God, I pray that we would be people who would live witness with delight, with conviction, with compassion, with joy, with purpose, that we would live with you and we would invite others into that witness and that we would do that too, because we call people to walk with us as we, as we journey through this experience in life and ministry and marketplace, whatever it is you've called us to do, God, I pray we could do it with you and with one another in a way that brings a smile to your face. Lord, I do pray, just as Angela said, just the the series of yeses. I pray that you would give us the courage to say yes. I pray that you would give us the ability to encourage one another to say yes to you. And I pray that as we do that, Lord, I pray that, um, God, really more knees would bend, more tongues would confess the goodness of God, uh, that we really would bring a smile to your face. We love you today. I pray a blessing on each one. I pray that you would stir each one here today. Stir your word. Stir your word in our hearts and draw us closer to you. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDonatio.com, Facebook at AngelaDonatioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDonatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.